0: Hello, and welcome to Right Now with Ralph Martin, a podcast where author, speaker, and worldwide renewal leader, Dr. Ralph Martin, shares what the Holy Spirit is stirring up in the Church right now—words of encouragement from the Lord to strengthen you for such a time as this. We are glad you can be with us this week as we seek to encourage you for this moment in history. And now, your host, Ralph Martin.
1: The first sin was an expression of pride. Remember the temptation in the garden? Oh, you shall be like God's. Oh, really? You mean I could do this on my own and not need God? Oh, yeah, go ahead, try it. Oh, what a sad, sad story. Oh, what a wretched lie that keeps being told and keeps being believed. That's why scripture says, through one man's disobedience, Adam and Eve, sin came into the world. And so the antidote is one man's obedience. The obedience of Christ even to death on the cross. So that through one man's obedience, salvation can come to the world. And the only way is the breaking of pride. Pride. The only way to enter into mercy is to swallow our pride. It's to be able to say, my name is Ralph, and I'm a sinner in need of mercy. I'm a sinner saved by grace and continuing to be saved by grace. It means swallowing our pride. Another word for that is repentance, by the way. It's repenting. It's saying, I was wrong. You're right, Lord. I come to you as a sinner in need of mercy and forgiveness. That happened to me, believe it or not. I was a college student at Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana. I was confused. I was caught up into the confusion of the 60s. I was reading Nietzsche about being beyond good and evil. Oh, what a crock that is. What a lie that is. What a disaster for, what a recipe for disaster that is. And I was intellectually confused and morally confused. And I was searching for the truth. And I thought at Notre Dame, this great Catholic university, I'd find it. So I started asking people, why are you a Catholic? And somebody said, well, I'm a Catholic because it helps me to serve the poor. And I thought to myself, well, you know, you don't have to be a Christian or a Catholic to serve the poor. You know, Buddhists serve the poor. UN serves the poor. And I asked somebody else, why are you a Catholic? And they say, well, because I want to live a good life. And I was thinking, well, gee, all kinds of people want to live good lives. And the morality of the world religions are basically the same. I just didn't feel like I was getting a a fundamental enough answer. Somebody else, I asked, why are you a Catholic? They say, well, I really like the, the feelings of community I get at the, at the Eucharist. I say, well, you know, I get feelings of communion at off-campus parties. <laughs> I just didn't feel like I was getting fundamental enough answers. And then a friend invited me to make a weekend retreat called the Curcio, one of the renewal movements in the Catholic Church. Praise the Lord, De Coloris. I told my friend, well, you know, I'd be willing to go out of friendship for you, but I'm warning you, I'm not going to compromise my intellectual integrity. I actually thought I had intellectual integrity at the time. I said, I know these people are going to sing songs, and there's going to be warm feelings, and they're going to call it God. And he said, oh, that's okay, you don't have to compromise your intellectual integrity, just go. Now I knew what he was after, but sure enough, there were songs and warm feelings. But then they began, began to talk about the great truths of the faith, about creation and redemption and grace. And I began to think to myself, gee, whoever invented Christianity was really smart. <laughs> God forgive me. You know, I was really impressed with you know Plato and Nietzsche and their minds. Though Nietzsche's was slightly deranged, he was nevertheless brilliant. And I began to get the uncomfortable feeling that maybe I was touching the mind of God. Maybe I was perceiving something of the depth that was there. And then they began to talk about Jesus. And I started to squirm. I thought, gee, why don't they just keep it impersonal, like Christ or, you know second person of the Trinity. You know, let's keep it on the doctrinal level. Keep it on the historical level. Keep it a little distant. And then I felt like either they're living a closeness of relationship with the Lord that I don't have, or they're crazy. It was an open question. But then they started to talk about sin, and I squirmed even more. So whoa. Why ruin this beautifully positive picture by bringing in this negative concept? To make matters worse, what they were describing as sin I had come to understand as ordinary university life. <laughs> Which sad, but true. And then I have to tell you, people pray and fast for people who make these retreats. And I think if people weren't praying and fasting, My pride may have been strong enough to resist, but God had mercy on me. And on the last morning of that curcio, I believed again. I I was raised as a Catholic, and I loved the Lord as a boy growing up. And I knew the Lord, but I had drifted away. My my parents, my grandparents, came from Ireland, and I part of the whole great Irish Catholic tradition. And I had a real living relation with the Lord. But I drifted away and got confused by the culture. Of course, there's a fifth column in us that likes to be confused by the culture. That's a sad story about our sin and our fallenness. But on that last day of that retreat, I knelt down and I, I sought out a priest and I went to confession and I said, I've been wrong. I've been filled with arrogance and pride and self delusion. And I want to repent. And I want to come back to the Lord. I want to be restored with him and his body. And. I am eternally grateful for the mercy of God. The Lord cared enough about a confused college student who was an ungrateful, proud wretch, and and showed me Jesus and gave me the grace to swallow my pride and believe and repent. If there's anybody here today who's in need of mercy, it's available is available to you today just like it was available to me 40 years ago. Just like it's been available to everybody for 2,000 years who are willing to come to the foot of the cross and let the blood of Christ wash them clean. It's no accident that as evil grows that the light of Christ is getting brighter and Jesus Christ is being lifted up higher But mercy doesn't come to us unless we receive it. Mercy comes knocking on the door. But we've got to open the door and say, come in. We've got to swallow our pride and repent. Say, I was wrong. I thought I could make you a part of my life. You need to be the center of my life. I thought I could do it in a partnership and I need to surrender and make you the boss. I need to admit that I've been living in darkness and I want want to come out of the darkness and and, and show the deeds of darkness to your mercy and be cleansed and be healed and start a new way of living. Mercy is available. It's not just a concept. It's not just a doctrine. It's not just a historical reality from 2,000 years ago. It's not just something we see in a movie screen. But the Savior Himself is here in the preaching of the Word, in the celebration of the sacraments, glorious Eucharist, where we actually connect with the blood of Christ in a special way. But it begins with faith. It begins by believing. And it begins by repenting. And it begins by opening the door saying, yes, Lord, come in. I want your mercy. I want to be cleansed by your blood. I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. If there's anybody here today and you know who you are and you know the Lord's been speaking to you and you know the Spirit's been tugging your heart and you know that you're supposed to make a response, I'm going to ask you to make a response. The most important response is not standing up or sitting down or raising your hand, the most important response is your heart-to-heart connection with the Lord, what you're going to say to Him, the the business that's going to transact between you and Him. I'm going to ask you to just take a few minutes and just reflect on the price that was paid so that you could come to the Father, the sacrifice that was offered for you, while you were still sinners? What Jesus did for us on the cross is available today. And following in a poor way in the footsteps of the Apostle Paul, I resolved to know nothing amongst you today except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I want to portray him before you today as sacrifice for your sins so that you may Believe that you may repent, that you may begin to walk in a new way of life. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for sending him as an offering for our sin. We thank you for rescuing us from our pride and our blindness and our slavery. We thank you for the price that was paid. We thank you for his blood. Father, we want to avail ourselves of that sacrifice today in a deeper way, or maybe for the first time. We want to accept that mercy. And you know, when we accept the mercy of the Lord, we're also making a commitment to be merciful. We're committing ourselves to mercy, and that means living in mercy. Remember the story in the gospel about the the, the servant who had a horrible debt. I mean, he had a horrible, horrible debt. He couldn't pay it back, and his master forgave the whole debt. And then when he went out, and somebody who owed a lot little, a lot less to him, he wouldn't forgive when we receive mercy we commit ourselves to mercy lord we want to receive this mercy and we want you to help us to little by little more and more live lives of mercy
0: this podcast is brought to you by renewal ministries part of the renewal podcast network If you are enjoying this podcast, we invite you to help us spread the word by leaving us a rating or review, following or subscribing to this podcast or sharing on social media. Until next time, this is Right Now with Ralph Martin.